0: Hi everyone, trust that you're all well and you've had a good week. It's good to be able to be with you today. Let's pray before we start this morning. Dear God, I thank you for your word and I'll ask that you speak through these few thoughts this morning and that your name will be glorified. Amen. If you have your Bibles, then the thoughts today come from John chapter 9 verses 1 to 40. I'm not going to read it, but if you'd like to pause the video, then you can read it for yourself. In this chapter, we read about Jesus and his disciples who encounter a man born blind. Little did this man know that this day he was to be the subject of an amazing miracle, then also part of a dispute from the religious leaders of the time. In Bible times, it was extremely challenging to be blind. This man would have had his physical limitations in not being able to get out and about as he would want to. And there was also the social stigma, maybe of rejection and isolation because of his disability. He's also a beggar. We know that there are other Bible stories about blind people who were beggars. So really, if you were born blind, there wasn't much going for you. There was also the idea that if you had a disability like this, it was caused by sin. Even Jesus' disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The assumption from the disciples is that if people suffer, then they must have done something bad to deserve it. Or in the case of this man, his parents must have done something bad because he was born like it. But Jesus answers in true Jesus style. Straight away he quashes the idea that this blindness has been caused by sin. Instead, he answers in verse 3 it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man's life was now going to be changed forever by the work of God through Jesus. This situation that he had lived with for all his life was now going to be completely turned around because God was going to take his present suffering to create great blessing. Sometimes we don't know why we're in the situations that we're in, whether it's an illness or financial difficulties or family circumstances. But what we do know is that God is able to work through any situation to show his glory. When we look back afterwards, many times we can see where God has had his hand on our lives and how He has brought us through. We all have our own stories, and this man, from today, would have his own unique story. We can't always see the complete story of what God is doing in our lives. This man had no idea what was going to happen to him that day, and his story was not yet complete. But afterwards, he would be able to tell his story, and we can all tell our own unique individual stories of when we have trusted and allowed God to work in our lives. So back to this man who is standing before Jesus. Maybe the disciples are expecting Jesus to say the words and he will be healed or maybe touch his eyes and then he can see. But Jesus does the unexpected. He surprises his disciples with what he is about to do. Actually, what Jesus does is a bit gross and bizarre because he spits on the ground, makes some mud with the saliva and puts it on the man's eyes and then tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now I'm a mum and also a nan, and I'll admit to doing something similar with my girls. You know when they were little and, you had a dirty, and they had a dirty face, and you didn't have any wipes or tissues with you at the time, what did you do? Yep, you licked your fingers and wiped their faces. Bit gross, but that's what we did. I also heard a story about two girls that were at school and it was a time when they still used ink pens. During their maths lesson, and when the teacher was writing on the board, they would flick their pens to see how much ink they could get on the other girls' faces. One particular time, the teacher turned around and saw what they were doing. Without a word, he walked up to the girls, got his hanky out of his pocket, not a clean hanky, spat into it, and then wiped it on the girls' face, who had the most ink on it. Needless to say, they didn't do that again in a maths lesson. So Jesus makes the mud and puts it on the man's eyes, then tells him to wash. As far as I'm aware, this is the only time in the Bible we read of Jesus doing this. But why did did Jesus do this? Here's a quote I read. Scholars have debated for centuries the significance of the saliva and the mud. If Jesus could have healed this man with simply a word, why does he go through this elaborate process? The theories go back and forth. But here is a simpler theory. Jesus simply approaches each person in a slightly different way. Some he heals with a word, some with a touch, some with private prayer, some without. Some are healed from a distance and some very close, some in private and some in public. Some seek Jesus out, some are sought out by him. But what we have here is another instance of a very unique and personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Now this man has a part to play in his side of the story. He has to decide what to do when Jesus tells him to wash in the pool. And he does as Jesus asks, he obeys and he comes back seeing. He could have ignored Jesus or he could have wiped the mud off for himself but he believes Jesus is doing something and he washes. He took a step of faith even when he wasn't sure of the outcome or didn't have the answers. How many times have we had to take a step of faith even when we haven't been sure? Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him and he will make our path straight faith gets us through. So we get to the second part of the story. Our man goes and washes and comes back seen. The miracle has taken place but Jesus has gone and now there's a bit of a crowd gathered. We have the neighbours and people who have seen him before as a beggar. They aren't sure who he is. Some say it's him, some say it looks like him. So they take him to the Pharisees who want a full account of the story and then ask him the same questions again. The poor man's day is getting stranger as now they even want his parents to confirm who he is. The only thing that he knows about his healer is that he's the man they call Jesus. He doesn't even know where Jesus has gone, but he does know that something extraordinary has happened to him. He started out his day probably the same as any other, begging on the street. He's the point of a question from the disciples. Then he's given instructions and then he's healed. Now he's the subject of a debate, questioning that he's not the blind man who begs there. I love it when the parents turn up and confirm who he is. But when asked again, they say, ask him yourself. Basically, he's old enough to answer for himself. The parents said this because they were afraid that if they acknowledged Jesus, they would be put out of the synagogue. The leaders can't accept what's right, even before their eyes. They're wanting to find something wrong with the story and trying to catch Jesus out. The now ex-blind man's response about Jesus is the simplest response. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see his life has been totally transformed by Jesus. He has a new story to tell and straight away comes into opposition. When we have been transformed by Jesus, when we tell our story, we may come against opposition. But the more we tell the story of what Jesus has done in our lives, the deeper we will grow in our relationship with him. The man's story grows stronger the more he is questioned. It's almost as if, his faith is building as he's being challenged. And finally, in verses 31 to 33, the man says to the Pharisees, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is a blind beggar speaking. And after that, he gets thrown out of the synagogue. But the man meets Jesus again. In fact, 30, verse 35 says that Jesus heard he had been thrown out and went to meet him. Jesus asks the man a question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have never seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. The man now worshipping Jesus has had his physical eyes opened and also his spiritual eyes opened. His physical blindness is now gone through the healing power of Jesus and his spiritual blindness has gone because of his encounter with Jesus Light of the world. Right at the beginning of this passage, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. We all know the impact that light has on sight, and the answer is without light, there is no sight. Our natural eyes need the light to be able to see clearly. We've all been in the dark and found it difficult to see. We might stumble or have our hands out to make sure we don't fall. When I was a teenager, I went potholing and we were told that when we turned our head torches off, this would be the darkest dark we would ever see. And it was absolutely pitch black. We could not see a thing. And when we meet Jesus, when we become a follower of his, we have our spiritual eyes opened to the reality of what Jesus can be in our lives and who he is. Jesus came for everyone. He conquered death for everyone. But only those who recognise their spiritual blindness will receive Jesus. The man said, I believe, and he worshipped him. How could he not worship for what Jesus had done? It was an overflow of joy and gratitude, knowing that he had been healed both physically and spiritually. He had another part of his story to tell now. He had a testimony of what Jesus had done for him that was very simple and yet very effective. When people asked him what had happened, he just told them what Jesus had done for him. Under questioning, he only knew one thing. I once was blind, but now I see. And that it was Jesus who had done it for him. But that simple testimony was enough to confound the religious experts and to glorify God before the watching world. He didn't know a lot, but this one thing he knew his life was changed and Jesus did it and that was his story. If you're a Christian today you too have a story of how Jesus came to be your Lord and Saviour. Your story doesn't have to be like someone else's. It doesn't have to be dramatic or follow some exact steps because it's your story. It's personal to you. It's okay if your story isn't like someone else's. What you shouldn't be content with is not having a story. Have a think about your story. You don't have to preach it or explain all the theological details of it. But do you have a story? It may be as simple as this blind man's. I once was blind, but now I see. It may be as simple as saying okay to God. It may just be that my life was changed and Jesus did it. But if you're a Christian, just like that blind man, you have a story. Would you ask yourself, what is my story? Has my life been changed by Jesus? If it hasn't, right now you can admit your sin to God and ask him to forgive you because of what Jesus did on the cross and save you and ask him to help you follow him from this day forward forward as your Lord. If you do have a testimony of what God's done for you, your story, your personal story, thank him for that right now. And make sure sure you get your story ready to share with others, because every one of us can do that. We can share our stories to our families, to our friends, to people around us. Just showing people and telling people of what God has done for us and the goodness that he has for each and every one of us. God bless you.